What's happening, municipals? This is Big C. Let me tell you about a great place in Vision Golf. Indoor simulators have exploded in golf, and Vision is leading the charge here in Portland. With the use of leading simulator technology in Golf Zone, you get transported to 200 plus courses across the world with the most realistic simulator experience you'll ever come across. With a hitting mat that not only gives you the turf to simulate real rough and sand conditions, the mat also raises up in slopes to create real live positions like playing on the actual course. If you're in need of a lesson, Vision Golf also has you covered with the PGA Teaching Pro Ignacio CERN. On top of that, they create an atmosphere with full bar and food options and sports on all the TVs that you're never going to want to leave. This is a great place for all events to be hosted with the VIP section to accommodate groups of all sizes. If you live in the greater Portland area or even the Pacific Northwest, you have to come out to a Vision Golf and check it out in Tiger, Oregon. Use code MUNICIPALS and you will get your first hour for free on your first visit. Also check out league nights and monthly events. Envision Golf, the Pacific Northwest premier simulator facility. How hard did you push it? Till I black out? Yes. Numerous times, yes. What's happening, municipals? This is your boy, Big C. We've got Ashton and a special guest tonight. So we have our friend, Gigi, am I going to pronounce your last name correctly? Stoll? Got it. Yes. Okay, I was going to I was gonna think I was going to butcher that. It could have been a million different ways. <laughs> but we've got Gigi Stoll, um, player on the Epson Tour, um, four-time Pacific Northwest Golf Association Player of the Year, two-time 6A state champ with Beaverton High School, three-time Oregon AM titles. I'm just going to go through it all, Gigi. Um, Three-time Oregon junior champion, uh, member of the 2008 championship team with Arizona University, raised right in my hometown of, uh, you know, Tiger, Oregon. So I also know you and your family are members of Portland Golf Club growing up here. Yep. So we we had a little insight from our buddy JD Lindert. I don't know if you remember JD. He was uh, he was a teaching professional at Portland Golf Club when you and your dad used to come out all the time, and he taught your dad a little bit. Okay, yeah, I know JD. Yeah, so JD wanted us to say what's up. He when I mentioned you were coming on the pod, he was like, "You got to mention me. See see if she she remembers me." But. Yeah. So <laughs> love it. Yes. Yes. I remember JD. Yeah, we kind of know JD through a weird roundabout way. Um, Ashton met him on a random, you know, Ashton was just a single that went out and played a golf course in the Bay Area and ended up getting paired up with JD and his wife. So that's that. Oh, small. Yeah. Boy. And now we've become like best friends <laughs> with him. And I don't know if you're if you know or not, but his dad just became the head of the PGA of America as well. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So they, no, I didn't know that. The Linderts are doing big things. So yeah, but he (laughs) wanted us to say hello. Um, but what, um, you know, give us a little insight about how it's been on the Epson tour kind of transitioning from college. I know you came onto it like right before COVID hit. So that, 
had to have put a little bit of a wrench into it. How was it playing through COVID and that transition there? Yeah, so, I mean, transitioning from college to professional golf uh, was a pretty big difference. I mean, you, you go into college and you pretty much have everything paid for. You got a coach who's going to book all your travel and buy all your food and things like that. And so that's really nice when you have that. And then you get into the professional world and you're like, whoa, like I'm on my own. Um, I got to figure out what works for me now. You take some of the stuff that you learned in college and, and growing up and whatever it is that works for you. And, and even now I'm, I've been on Epson for three and a half years now and I'm still learning like what works for me out there. And that's just going to be something I think that's going to be like a gradual thing that I just, I pick up things here and there every year. Um, and just growing and learning is just like, that's just the name of the game. You know, like you're always learning, you're always growing. You're always going to be like, Oh, I'm one swing thought away from hitting it. Perfect. So it's like kind of just that constant grind and, and figuring out what's, what's the best for you. So that was probably the biggest, like, transition going from college to being a professional um but I've really enjoyed just that whole learning curve and I love that that's how golf is it's just endless and like you always want to strive for that better and so it's just been a really fun experience you know being on Epson um COVID was kind of weird so I was able to play 2019 a full season actually um so I finished my college uh, my last semester online I had full status on the Epson tour. So I came out and played on Epson tour for 2019, kind of got like my footing and everything. And then COVID hit. So I had a pretty good season my first year. Um, I didn't get onto the LPGA tour, but I played a really solid season. I had one of my best finishes 2019 and then COVID hit and we had like seven events which is like really none. I was sitting around pretty much all of 2020 just hanging out. Like, are we playing? Are we not? You know, we heard some things, maybe we're playing. And then we just had a really condensed season. So it was pretty much just kind of like a wash year. Like you couldn't really get advance onto the LPGA tour or do anything like that. And then now we're just back, back in the swing of things after that year. So I know during the um, pandemic, you moved uh, from Arizona to Vegas. And so I know you then partnered up with Reflection Bay. And so Mm -hmm. how have they been with kind of your learning process going through the Epson tour and having kind of a home base to be able to, you know, hone in your skills before you go back out on the road? Yeah, so I wasn't really planning on moving to Vegas, like at all. (laughs) Pretty much I was practicing um, down in Phoenix because that's where my coach is. And I was just waiting for like a schedule to come out, just waiting for a schedule to come out. And that was in 2020. And we're like, are we going to play? Are we not going to play? We don't know. So with COVID going on and everything, I wasn't really trying to take a flight back to Portland because everyone was getting sick and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, well, my mom lives in Las Vegas. I'll just drive up to Vegas and kind of like lay low there until we have like word from people. So I ended up in Vegas um, and I just needed to find a place to practice. And I just, all, all of a sudden, you know, I, I was invited to play Reflection Bay and I went out there and somehow um, the GM got in touch with me and we just kind of started talking and he, he offered me, you know, a home at Reflection Bay. And that was huge because I don't know really anybody from Vegas. I just, 
I just drove over. <laughs> I wasn't planning on being here or anything. I made no plans. Um, and so that was a really big thing for me because they have top-notch professionals out there, a really good golf course. Um, they have really everything I need out there. So that was just a big stepping stepping stool to, to get out here and feel like I had more of a home than just me and my family. Yeah, and Gigi, I'm curious. Uh, I feel like maybe it's because of, like, I guess some big names like Morikawa and Daniel Kang, but I feel like Vegas is sort of becoming, like, it's probably too much to say, like, a Scottsdale or, like, a Jupiter, but I feel like it's sort of becoming a, a golf mecca a little bit. Like, do you feel that now that that's kind of home for you? A little bit. I mean, even since I've been here, I can kind of see it growing. And, you know, I, I hear of a few more people moving here. They have this, they had the CJ cup, they have um, the LPGA at shadow Creek. So, and those are kind of some new events. So to have those things come to Vegas and you see people like hear people coming to visit or people moving, that's slowly, you know, becoming a trend. Yeah. I know when we did a Vegas trip, uh, about, I don't know, probably a year ago, close to that. Um, Reflection Bay was one of them on my list. We ended up, it was a short trip. We were there for three days and got, I think, four four rounds in. Um, but have yeah. you, we fell in love with this track out um, pretty much outside of Vegas called Paiute. Have you been able to get out there mm-hmm. yet? So I'm actually playing there this weekend for the first time. I haven't been out there, but the one thing, so they actually host the uh, corn fairy guys out there. Um, I think they have three golf courses yeah. out there and, and people talk really highly of it, that it's always in, you know, really good condition. The, the one thing everybody says though, is that it's always windy out there. Cause it, it is kind of like away from the strip and you're just kind of open. So I'm excited to see what it'll be like. Yeah, it's a really it's a really great property. Uh, we got out there. We had like a 36 hole special that they were running, so we played 36 holes in a day. And the they we ended up having a frost delay because everything was frosted over. We ended up coming out the one weekend that it dropped below freezing. It was like 65 <laughs> and sunny for like weeks coming up to it, and then we show up and it's 35 degrees at 8 a.m. <laughs> Yeah, and but that course was incredible. I mean, I we played. I think we, what courses did we play, Ashton? I know we played. Um, we played the Wolf yeah. and Sun Mountain. Those were the two. The Wolf was kind of divisive. I, I I thought the Wolf was like one of the most like uh, handsome courses I've played, but I know that there's some really good views on the other. But yeah, just a just a really impressive property. Uh, and, and I think yeah, and to the point for like you know for. I think I think it was during uh, the off season rate we were playing. I think we got unlimited golf, which was thirty six holes for like it's like a hundred bucks, yeah. right, Chris? I mean, hundred bucks with lunch, like it was it was pretty incredible. I mean, it's a great deal. It's cool that it's out yeah. on Indian Reserve, um, and it's kind of just yeah. its own entity out there. Yeah, you're gonna really mm-hmm. enjoy it if it's your first time playing out there. It's super pretty. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Look yeah. forward to it. Um, yeah. Well, did you tell me about, I'm curious to like, I've, cause I've never seen pictures. I think this is in Chris's mind. Like, tell me a little about, tell us a little about like Bay, like the course, like how is it? So it's, I mean, it's kind of a resort style course. You have some like wide open, but, um, 
it's really cool because when you drive out there, it's also kind of its own entity. Like you're driving and you, you get off the freeway and you drive for another 15 minutes and you just show up and you're like, whoa, I like I just I'm in a completely different world. I mean, the architecture is a little different out there. It's kind of like Spanish vibes. Um, you see a lot of like the neutral tone colors on the houses and stuff like reds. And then there's like tons of water <laughs> and you're like, I'm not in Vegas anymore. It's right on uh, the Lake Mead. And you just, you're playing and it kind of weaves in and out. You've got some elevation changes. Um, and like, it's just a whole different experience. You, you really don't feel like you're in Vegas anymore. So it, it's a neat experience to get out there. Um, especially if you're like staying on the strip and then to go out there for a day and play, you just feel kind of like you're, you're off the strip and you're kind of out of, out of the world that you're in. I mean, that's kind of all you can ask for, for a home track. And does it like represent a lot of kind of courses that you, um, you see while playing on tour as well? I think um, it's not really like the course we play. I guess you could compare it to some of the Arizona courses that we play. But since we're over in like the East Coast and the South a lot, it doesn't resemble a lot of those courses. But I think it's a great challenge to play before I head out on tour because it just has a little bit of everything. Okay. Um, I know. So Ashton has a really good question about distance. Um, our buddy JD uh, remembers playing with you and your dad once. And he was like, at 15 years old, she was hitting it like 20 yards further than her dad. Um, and he remembers you shooting in the 60s from the tips at, at Portland Golf Club. So Ashton, what was the question that you had about distance? Yeah, so I know like within the last year, I know that Beth Ann Nichols wrote an article talking about how her opinion was that uh, LPGA setups, and I imagine by extension Epson Tour setups, should be a bit shorter and therefore more scorable because she felt, and again, she's got a good pulse on it, but she feels like that's what people want to see. But I'm curious for you as a professional golfer on these tours, one, do you agree with that? And two, does it change? I'm also curious knowing that you bomb the ball. Does that change your opinion? Right. Cause I imagine for you, if it's, you chop off a couple hundred yards and you know, if you hit it further, it's like, cool. Like suddenly it becomes like, let me get my wedges dialed in as opposed to hybrid. So I'm curious how you feel about that as a professional golfer playing on these tours. I mean, being a long hitter, my, you know, opinion is a little bit, uh, <laughs> a little bit biased because, um, I think, you know, the longer, the better, just because I do hit it further. But personally, I think that the LPGA and Epson, I mean, they play relatively same distances. Um, I think they're a really good challenge because it sets up the golf course to where if you're having a really good week, those players will score. But I think a lot of the time, um, like shorter hitters may complain that they're playing them a little bit too far. So I guess you could kind of see it in, in both perspectives, but I think the, the course is being more challenging. It'll be fine because the good players will still perform and shoot those good scores. And I think there's, it really also depends on the golf course too, because you can set up a, a golf course pretty hard. And then there's some courses that are just, you know, by nature going to be easier. And so there's some weeks that, you know, the cut may be a little higher, or the winning score may be a little higher, but it's a good challenge. So, and, and also ladies golf, everybody is hitting it a little bit farther. Like it's, it's different than it was, you know, five, 10 years ago when the average on tour was maybe 220 or something for the ladies. Those numbers have really gone up. 
I, I yeah. love that answer because I, as a you know viewer of um, you know pro golf, I I hate to say it, but I like to see you guys struggle a little bit. Um, you know, I I don't yeah. want to. I I think low scores become kind of boring and mundane. You know, when it looks like it's just too easy, it just it doesn't really you know give that umph that a lot of guys or a lot of people are looking to you know view and watch when they're looking at pro golf. So. You know, I I would prefer it to be more of a challenge. And if that is, you know, there, there's certain courses like you were talking about, like we saw at Southern Hills this year. Not the longest course that they play for the PGA Championship, but it created a challenge because of how the course setup was. Where, you know, you could push courses out like you've got, you know, the uh, the Waste Management Open, which is super long. But it's not extremely, you know, difficult for those guys because it's just straight in front of you. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of a give and take. And I think that's great about the tours. And I think it's up to the tours to create that challenge for you guys and not necessarily think of length as being the challenge. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Oh, go for it, Ashton. No, that that's it. I, I I appreciate that. Yeah, I because that's something that I've been. I don't know. Cause it's hard because I I heard that answer and I was like, I I, I don't know. Uh, but that's obviously when I, Chris, we were talking to you. I was like, cool. This is one of those unique times where it's like this has been noodling in my brain for a year, and I get to ask somebody who this is specifically relative to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know. But then when you go watch like this weekend, I watched the the BMW ladies, and it's like, you shoot Lydia Ko, shoot what twenty one under par, and you're like, I seems pretty like per, like both pretty scorable and just like mad respect that golf course looked really hard, plenty long. And she just played really well. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. I think this specific example she was talking about was when they were at uh congressional, I think it was, and it rained and it played super long, but it's like, I think that's more of an outlier. So thank you. Cause I've, I've just been curious about that for a while. Yeah, for sure. Happy to answer and, and help you out. So I've got a question. So I'm about to have a baby girl in about three or four weeks. Um, and so I'm really excited to kind of introduce her to the game, but I also don't want to be that crazy helicopter parent that kind of ruins it for their kid. So as a girl growing up uh, playing golf and your dad being a pretty good golfer himself, how would how did he introduce you to the game or who introduced you to the game? And what what would you what tips would you give me as an upcoming father um, kind of to not ruin it for but introduce her to it and hopefully she falls in love with it like i do yeah um i mean golf's kind of weird um because like i played every sport growing up honestly and i think that really helped me find like love for the game of golf because golf was always kind of there but it wasn't really my like first love. Like you play, I played basketball and you play other sports where you're like on a team and that's like really fun for you or, or whatever it is that brings you that excitement. And so kind of just bringing that into golf somehow where you can just keep it really light and really like fun, like even just setting little tiny objectives, you know, like, Oh, like one of the biggest things that I can remember um, that I thought was really fun is there's hole 11 at Portland golf club. There's a, a, lake right in front of the blue tees but there was like a little tiny lake to the right side of 
the, the lady sees the red tees and my dad just started me hitting it over. It was like, honestly, 10 feet. I'm pretty sure it was like the part of the lake that it was like right under the bridge. And so he'd be like, just get up and rip it as hard as you can. And I was like, that's cool. Like, let's just try it as hard as I can. So we worked from there. We started there until I could get it over that, that 10 foot water. And then we just scoot back a little bit, scoot back a little bit and try and get to the blues. And luckily I had a brother who like, the first person to hit it from the blues over the, over the water would be just like the champion. <laughs> and so stuff like that, where you can kind of keep it really competitive and fun and, and light, like just see what kind of like entices her, like whether it's putting or trying to hit it as hard as she can, you know, whatever's you kind of catches her eye and you can tell that she really enjoys keep it fun. Like that, that's the whole goal of golf right there is just to keep it fun. Yeah, I'm trying to ingrain it from, like, her birth, so, like, I'm setting up her entire room <laughs> with things like this, so, you know, so... Oh, that's awesome. We're gonna, we're gonna basically, like, breakfast at Tiffany's slash golf right here, so... That's you so know, awesome. And all my wedges have, like, her name and stuff stamped on them, um, so we, like, oh, that's so called cute. her Bagel Baby, and I put Michelle Wee Pink shafts and all of my clubs so i'm very excited to be a girl dad i just don't want to ruin the game for her and be that that crazy dad out there so i appreciate kind of those those pointers there um one thing i wanted sure. to ask about being on tour um getting your own sponsors i've always wondered how you know how that goes about are people reaching out to you i know um our buddy jeff uh with chasing aces sponsored you for a few events um this last season but how does that go about how do you kind of you know integrate that into your whole role of kind of getting from amateur golf to pro and getting that kind of going yeah, I mean, one thing that I think a lot of people don't really understand um, being at the level of golf that I'm at right now um, is that I have to like find all those sponsors and do kind of all that stuff on my own because I don't have a big enough budget to hire an agent the way a lot of the people on LPGA do and things like that. So right now um, and the past couple of years have been really me just like advocating for myself and, and following my dreams and things like that. And someone like Jeff, who, you know, kind of knows my story and is from my home state and everything like that. You, I find I, I find some of those those sponsors in that way where they just know who I am and, and they'd love to help me support my dream. And that's something that, you know, I can't thank those people who do back me and help me enough because they don't understand or they understand, you know, how, how much of a grind it is to be out there booking my own travel, you know, entering all my events. I, you know, I do everything on my own, really. And so um, for people who understand the grind and are helping me helping me along the way like those people are huge and so it's just really you know making those connections or or you know catching up with the people who have supported you before and and know what you're trying to do so it's it's difficult because you know you have a certain amount of friends but you really want like to reach your goals and, and find those things so it's a little bit of both you know kind of putting yourself out there reaching out to people maybe via Instagram and things like that. Now we have this world of social media. It's a little bit easier to find those, those golf um, network. Yeah. Um, do you have a club deal or sponsorship at the moment? 
So I'm with Ping, but I'm not in contract with Ping. They just helped me get equipment. Last year, I went and got fitted at their base in uh, Phoenix. So you're able to, you know, get those things, but sometimes it's not free and they definitely don't pay you um, at the level that you're at, at that I'm at. So um, being on these tours, it's a little harder. I mean, equipment is usually sponsored and I'm able to get that stuff. But other than that, like you have to find your own, your own equipment and things like when that. When you're on tour, I know the, the larger tours on the LPGA, PGA and things, they have tour trucks and stuff that travel with them. When you're on the road, what is there tour trucks that that are on the Epson tour where you can go and get clubs fixed or are you kind of like finding pro shops you know on the road so we get a guy um who's with the with the tour that comes with his van probably three four times a year um and in between that if you have any problems with your clubs you probably have to pull up to a pro shop and figure out what the heck you're doing and if your club's broken at a tournament maybe call your rep and see if they can overnight you something but other than that like yeah you're on your own well so i i run um co-run a uh club champion here in tiger um so when you're on tour and you have any issues, let me know. I'm going to hook you up with our with our marketing director so that maybe we can kind of work something out to help you out while you're on tour. So if you have any issues, we've got 105 stores across the country. So there's going to be a store somewhere near you. And we have a build shop in every store. So I'll help you out there. And I'll, if awesome. you have any issues, let me know. And I'll, I'll get you connected with whatever local store you're near. I very much appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, if you only have four stops a, a tour and you're, you're playing <laughs> over 20 events, I mean, bound to have something happen. So if you can have a backup, I'm there for you. You just let me know and we'll get you, we'll get you hooked up. That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate um, that. So we're all about golf courses. And so... I'm going to ask you, I, I already prepped you for the, for the question that I'm going to ask kind of at the end, but what was your favorite place to play in college and what's been your favorite stop on tour? Favorite place to play in college. One of my favorite places to play in college um, was probably Tucson Country Club. And I really liked playing there because it was one of the very few golf courses that had trees. <laughs> because, I mean, growing up in, in Portland, trees all the time. You know, there's no problem. You go down to the desert and it's just desert Yeah, golf we have to learn to hit through shoots. Like these guys that grow up in all these other places, it's just like bombing all over the place. Good to go. No, the most frustrating thing to me was when I got to Arizona – I was like, dang, I thought I would really like desert golf, but you hit your ball in the desert and it's not a hazard and it's not out of bounds. So you just have to get in there and scuff up your club. That's what we figured out too. We the the first time we ever ever played like real desert golf, because Southern California isn't real desert golf. Like anybody that lives in Cali thinks that like playing near like San Diego or Rustic Canyon, that's not that's not desert golf, guys. Um so the first time we played was in Vegas and I'm not going to lie to you. We kind of pushed out a little bit and we basically like we're pulling our balls out of the rocks because none of us wanted to damage our golf clubs. Um, but it's, it's true. You've got fairway and then just rocky, you know, wasteland. And it's just 
open area, no out of bounds. You're just kind of stuck hitting it out of there. Right. Really? Yeah, that's definitely the worst part. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know Ashton was probably hoping you were going to say the UGA golf course because that's where he's from. Um, that's where he graduated, but, you know. Tucson Country Club for sure. But what about uh, favorite stop on the Epson Tour? My favorite stop on the Epson Tour was, is probably um, in a little town called El Dorado, Arkansas. And you're in this town. It's very small. Um, you're driving through the, the woods and you there's like barely even like a sign entrance into this club. And you drive in like a quarter mile and... There is just a gem sitting there. And it's, I mean, it's about an hour and a half away from Louisiana and pretty close to Alabama. So some local or some traffic comes through there. But um, I just, I feel like nobody on planet Earth even knows about the place when I'm out there. <laughs> and it's one of the nicest and most difficult courses we play on, on, on tour. And it just, it's always a treat when we go out there. Is it public? It is public, and it's actually, I know you kind of prepped me for the question, but it's its on my list of top three public courses across across the nation that we go I to. I love that. So. You know, I'm going to put that, so I have a running map of all these courses across the United States public that I plan on going to play, so I'm definitely going to add that add that to my map because, yeah, yeah it, you if should. you're vouching I for it and they have a tour stop there, I definitely got to check that out. That's... Yep. Yeah, I don't know if you'll be in that location, but you're going to have to make a trip to get over there somehow. Yep. Yeah, you know what? He, we're going to be making a trip. I, it's still probably a bit of a trek from Atlanta, but if we... I was going to say, Arkansas is nowhere... Like, you're talking, talking to a like guy that's never left the West Coast. So, you know, I'm... Oh, wow. Yeah, I've, I've literally... Vegas is the furthest I've ever been east of of the entire United States. So... I bet your list is getting kind of long. My list is huge. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, I actually sought out to play all the public courses on the West Coast, which is like 1,193 courses, and I've gotten close to half of them. Um, Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty far up that list, but my list for across the country is, you know, close to, you know, eight or 9,000 courses across the country, so... (laughs) Oh it, my gosh. I, I definitely don't plan on Wait, playing Chris, all those. Chris, there's not nine, there's not nine thousand golf courses in the country. It's not. There's no way. Check it. I'm I'm including yeah, nine yeah, hole courses as be. well. <laughs> I'm including nine hole nine hole courses as well. But just in the wow. northwest, or I mean, sorry, the northeast, like Maine down to Boston, you'd be pretty pretty shocked at the amount of like concentration of golf courses just in that area. Like it it's more than like most of the west coast just in those like five states yeah. it's crazy <laughs> i believe you it's just nine thousand you'd, be, you'd be shocked it's crazy hey, big, numbers. It's big, big numbers big um, numbers <laughs> so speaking of courses what are your favorite three courses in the pacific northwest and then your three we already know one but your other two courses across the country all right, top three in the Pacific Northwest, in no particular order. Probably Bandon Dunes. OG Bandon Dunes? 
OG Bambi okay. Dunes. Uh, it's a and yeah, Pacific Dunes too. I mean, I don't know. Okay, those two count as okay. one. Um, <laughs> Pumpkin Ridge, public side. Love that answer. Tasty. Um, and then Langdon Farms. So all all pretty much like uh, outside of Bandon, two Portland tracks. I like that. Langdon is underrated. Just OG. Yes. Langdon's very underrated. Yeah. It's the one course I haven't been able to get Ashton out to. You know, we've done the reserve. Well, it, we, we we love this, but like I think there's been like there's been like high school matches every single time I'm in town. So like again, we'll, we'll let the kids have it, but we'll get out there eventually because <laughs> it looks the pictures look amazing. Yeah. It looks like it's in great shape. Yep, it's always pretty in pretty good shape, even when it rains every day in Portland. So I've also now here, here's a divisive question. Wait, you're talking about pumpkin? Yeah. Like, I know we're a public golf podcast, but, like, I've heard some people prefer the public side to the private side. Do you prefer that? Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, that's a tough one. I mean, you said public. I did say public, so that, in, that in no, question. Totally. So I can't. Yeah, so, but But my answer, I guess, would be... Um, I think the I think the public side is a little bit better, but they are very different, so it's kind of hard to compare. I always tell people if they get yeah. a chance to play both, they should. And I think the ultimate Pumpkin Ridge course is if you take the front of which and the back of um, of the public course and combine them. I think the front of which is unmatched. It's probably one of the best like front nines in all of like the Pacific Northwest. Didn't they just do something like that for the they lift? They did. Yeah, they didn't do exactly like half and half, but they like okay. pick and shows. I think there was like twelve on. There was like twelve on one side, and then the rest on the other. Um, but yeah, they they picked and choose. <laughs> I don't know how they even got people to and from <laughs> each side. I personally didn't go myself. Um, you know, uh, but we had a lot of. Uh, we had a lot of customers and stuff kind of telling us about about it and said it was an interesting parking situation because if you've played pumpkin like there's nowhere to park if you're gonna have that many people out there so i guess they had them parking in like a cornfield right next door so people were driving up in like hundred thousand dollar you know cars and parking in cornfields (laughs) so i guess people weren't too stoked about that I mean, they had the LPGA out there, and, and that's what they did. They just, you just parked yeah. in a field. I mean, There's, that's, that's all you what you do. have to do for most <laughs> most events. Well, it's better that than using the other course. It's like the you remember the uh, the U.S. Open at Olympic where they parked on Harding Park. You know, like better than at least they're not parking on a golf course. You know, small small wins. So, I see kind of in your posts and stuff through Instagram that you are a little bit of a swaggy golfer. Been into Melbourne, you know, things like that. Are we going to see more of that on tour? I know with sponsors, it makes it difficult because you kind of have to rep the sponsors. But are you going to kind of throw a little bit more flair into the uh, wardrobe while you're out there this year? Do you have any like special like kicks that I you've think got? I'm try to. <laughs> see, shoes is hard. So this year I was with uh, Foot Joy. So I would just rock. Well, I'll show up Foot Joy. So I couldn't really throw any of that swag in there too much. I mean, Foot Joys are very classic looking. 
So, I mean, a little less of more old man swag and more like less of the like new age swag. <laughs> what was your go-to foot but, joy um, um, uh, pair that you wore? I was, I was wearing the boas, um, but I, I switched around. I wore the, the like SLs or okay. something, I think is what they're called. The cleatless the ones. Kind of more like athletic y. Yeah, th- those ones. Um, but then I went back to the ones that have just like traditional spikes, the like all leather, because the, the comfort and the stability is just a little bit better. So I was kind of messing around with which ones fit me best this year. Um, but I was with Nike my first year, and I had a little bit more drip. Um, <laughs> so hopefully we can get back to that a little you're, bit. I mean, you're from the Pacific Northwest, like Nike's dropping. I, I'm hopefully somebody from Nike listens to this because you're dropping the ball. If you're not sponsoring Gigi, I mean, she's from our hometown. <laughs> I mean, she went to Beaverton high school. You guys gotta, gotta rep her. <laughs> Anybody from Nike, let's, let's pick, let's pick her up so she can swag out there on tour. I love it. I was I was with Nike. I was rocking Nike for a little bit. So they 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 got yeah. me. They got me. But I had to make some other changes for this year, just for financial reasons and things like that. Do you have any kind of uh, clothing deals that are coming up for this coming tour? Not yet. Um, this year, I was wearing some of the Reflection Bay gear, um, and Chasing Aces actually gave me some shirts and things to wear with their logo on it. So I was rocking some of that stuff. Um, so hopefully, maybe we can get some Chasing Aces on some, Jeff, some swag. Jeff, I know you're going to listen. <laughs> get it swagged out. Get it swagged out. out. We need a rep in for at least a couple events this year. For sure, yeah. I was wearing a shirt. I so saw, I saw a couple shirt. posts. And it, then, yeah. Did you wear it out at the uh, event at Wild Horse? Yeah. Yes, yes. I was rocking some of that chasing aces for sure. Nice. I love that. Well, Gigi, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure meeting you. Um, we are going to be keeping a very close eye on you this coming season. So, you know, best wishes. Hope the best coming up for this season. And get out there and fucking kill it. <laughs> I appreciate you guys. It was nice being on the show and really nice meeting both of you. Absolutely. Have a good night. Thanks for coming Thank on. Thank you guys. Uh-